This week, uh, our board of elders will be meeting on Wednesday, and we're going to be talking about the, the reopening for our church. We, you know, we're taking those steps here in Oklahoma, and we're going to be talking about when and what that might look like. Our staff has been meeting, uh, coming up with ideas, and we're uh, putting that to the board, and then the board will have the final say. And I just want to invite you to be praying with us uh, this week that we'll do that with wisdom and that we will do that with deliberation. And we, again, we are so looking forward to being together again, but we do want to be thoughtful, and more than anything else, we want to protect you, uh, our congregation, and our people that we love. And I just want to say this, and I'll talk more about it next week when we actually have dates and things in hand, but I I just want to just, again, remind those of you who are older, um, and I'm one of those now, but for those of us who are older, and those of you who may be more vulnerable uh, physically uh, to this coronavirus, we just want to give you full permission, please stay home, uh, keep watching online. We're going to keep doing this just like this, even when we have people in the sanctuary. We want you to wait until it is safe for you to be among people before you come. So please, we love you, and as much as we want to see you face-to-face, we want to keep you safe. I hope I made that clear, okay? Lee, throw that picture up on the screen for me. This little, uh, poor little baby, his name is Callan, and um, Callan was born two years ago uh, over in England, I, just right after he was born, they noticed that he was having some difficulty physically, and, um, and at five days uh, old, he, he went into a, uh, a coma, and they were able to stabilize him, and what they discovered was that poor little Callan's uh, liver was not operating properly, and that, uh, he, um, uh, that he needed chemicals into his body, and so they began to treat him. Um, and he did come out of the coma, but as he, uh, as he progressed, his, his parents realized that this is really serious, and what they discovered was that his poor little liver was not operating the way it was supposed to be, and finally, finally even as they uh, kind of kept, kept with him, at, at five months of age, the, the hospital told the parents that there's really no way that he is going to make it without a liver transplant, and um, and it was so cool how what happened in, in the wake of that was that Callan's father, Matt, offered to give a piece of his liver to Callan so that Callan could live. Throw that next picture up on the screen. This is uh, Matt and Callan after the surgery had been performed, after he had donated a piece of his liver to his son, and uh, it took, and, uh, and Callan began to go stronger and stronger day by day. Throw that next picture up for me, please. And here's, uh, here's Matt and Callan uh, a couple months later as, as, as Callan beginning, beginning to grow and became healthy. Throw that last picture up on the screen for me. And this is Callan. I think this was like 17 months old. He's now uh, two years old, doing really well. And uh, he, he's, he's, he's being strong. And I loved as I read this story, what was, what was so interesting for me in reading this story was how Matt just was amazed as a father, how simply giving just a small piece of himself to his son could literally save his son's life. And when I, when I read that story, when I was reading the article, of course, I'm tearing up, you know, just reading it, looking at the pictures of this father and son um, and what that meant. But, but I realized, you know, that's what we've been talking about in this series. Um, we've been talking about these defining moments that we have. 
and, and how we have these opportunities at instances of time to simply give a little piece of ourself to someone and how just giving a little piece, a, a little proper reaction, how that can make such a significant difference in our relationships. And, and, we've, and I've talked about that now. We talked about how to, how to do an apology that really sticks and how if we can navigate that, just giving that little piece, how that can make a big difference. We talked about uh, anger management and how when somebody's angry, just giving up a, a little bit of our pride and reacting the right way, how that can make a big difference. And we talked about trust and how when, you know, if we can just really learn to do the right thing and just a little piece of trust can go a long way. Well, today I want to talk about one more. And today what I want to talk about in essence is how to do what we call emotional responding. And emotional responding is about really tuning ourselves into someone on their frequency to really connect with them so that they really feel like they are being heard and understood and, and being empathized with. Um, I, I want to, again, just think this thought with me. How many of you have ever had someone in, in, a, in a moment, uh, you know, be having, having a moment, and you're trying, but you realize that they're like this, and you're like this, and whatever you're doing, it's not working. It's making it worse instead of better. I, I guarantee you, almost all of us have done that. And that's what I want to talk about today. How do you really tune in so you don't lose out? Okay? I want to look at a, a couple of passages of Scripture um, in Romans 12, 15, look at, what, um, look at what Paul says. Paul says, be happy with those who are what? Happy. And weep with those who weep. Now, that's such a simple verse, and you think, well, everybody does it. Now, think about this with me. I wonder how many times when someone's been happy, they've been excited about someone, about something, and instead of being happy with them, we either feel bad because, you know, we didn't get what they got or we didn't, or, or, or we, you know, we kind of try to be parental and say, you know, well, don't get the big head. You know, instead of really rejoicing with them, we kind of squash that moment. Um, and when people weep, some of us get really uncomfortable when people are crying. And instead of weeping with them, what do we say? Don't cry. Don't cry. Even at times when they need to cry. And I, and I thought it's just, isn't it, isn't it wild how 2,000 years ago, Paul instructed the church to do this kind of emotional responding. He said, you know, when people are happy, this is real simple, be happy with them. Get on that frequency. When people weep, what should you do? You should weep with them. I love what Jesus said in Luke 6.31. Jesus said, do to others as you would like them to do to you. And, and when I thought about that, I thought, now, we, we don't always like the same kind of response, but we all want the same kind of understanding. Let me say that again. We don't always want the same kind of response, but we do all want the same kind of understanding. In other words, I'm high touch. Uh, any of you who've been around me know, uh, you know, I love to hug. And, you know, when I'm, when I'm, when someone's tuning into me, whether I'm excited, I want to hug, whether I'm sad, I want to, hug, you know, and, and, but there are a lot of people, they're not high touch. And, and, you know, when, when they're sad, they don't want somebody to touch them when they're happy, you know, they, they may take a fist bump, but they don't really don't want to be. In other words, we don't always like to be responded to the same manner, but what we do like is we do want people to get on our frequency. 
We do want to be understood. Look at me. Look at my eyes for a second. We all want people to know what's going on in here and in here. That's what human interaction is all about. In fact, it's really interesting. Scientists have shown uh, how our, our brains, brains between two people actually get into this loop when there's a proper kind of connection. And that's what we're all looking for. God has made us in such a way that we actually help each other when we can find that loop. Now, that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about tuning in. Now, when you say, well, Pastor Steve, what, what do you mean tuning in? You know, when, when do I really need to tune in? Well, let me just give you a few different ways, and I'll kind of breeze through these pretty quick because I think you'll get it. We need, we, others need us to tune in uh, in, in times of crisis. In times of crisis, uh, when there's something big going on in their life, um, there's a family issue happening, or there's something, some kind of crisis at school, or some kind of crisis at work, or, or, or some kind of crisis of health. When, whenever someone is in an, in an anxious mode like that, uh, they, need, they need us to kind of tune into that frequency to help them through that time of crisis. Uh, in times of loss, people need it. Um, you know, whenever someone has a, a loss in their life, um, when, when uh, you know, your spouse loses a family member, um, you know, or it, and think about this with me, parents, for a second. When your kid goes through a breakup with a boyfriend or girlfriend, um, you, you know, what's interesting, I, I think sometimes as parents, we tend to blow those kinds of times off. Um, and it's funny because, you know what? Uh, even though I'm really old now, um, I can remember in 10th grade when a girl broke up with me, and I can still remember how devastated I was and how just, you know, despondent I became. And it felt like, it felt like a divorce. Now, you know, we as adults can look back and realize, you know, you're going to survive this. Um, you know, we go through breakups. But here's what I want you to understand, parents. When, when your child, when your teen uh, goes through a loss like that, it feels on an emotional level, it feels just like it does when an adult goes through a divorce. And, and I think sometimes we just don't give that kind of weight to it. But in times of loss, when, when your young child has a pet that they adore and, and that pet dies, and, or you know, something, you know, we, we, we need to learn how to respond properly and tune in in those times of loss. Now, in times of success or victory, in times of success or victory, now I, I mentioned this before, um, you know, but when, when, you know, when, when, when someone really knocks it out of the park, when someone, you know, does something, you know, they, they want us to be able to celebrate. They want us to be happy with them. And this is where we just need to be able to get over our insecurities and, and uh, all of that kind of stuff and be able to do that. I've got a friend uh, in ministry who, when he has a really good day, something goes really well, he'll call me and he said, I'm calling you because I know you'll celebrate with me. Uh, because what he knows is, you know, for a lot of people, it'll sound like bragging. But for me, he knows that he can call me because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheer and I'm going to clap and I'm going to go way to go. And we all want that kind of response. In times of hurt and betrayal, in times of hurt and betrayal, um, when your kid's been bullied, um, when your spouse had something happen at work that um, was a, uh, a, a wound from the boss or from the company. Um, when a friend goes through some kind of, of betrayal or pain, 
in those kinds of times, people want someone who can, again, be empathetic and, and be able to respond. That's when they need us to tune in. In times of fear, in times of fear, now, again, oftentimes we want to help people push through their fears, and there are, you know, maybe thoughtful strategies that we can use if somebody's being paralyzed and we need, we're in a role to try to help them forward. But do you know what it means to people when they're afraid and you simply come alongside of them and uh, extend an understanding? That means the world. When I was um, in Baltimore um, back in the fall with my grandkids, uh, one night uh, while I was there, the, I was in, uh, Ben and Charlie had gone out of town, and I was watching the kids for a couple of nights by myself. And, and my grandson Maddox, uh, when, after I put them all to bed, put Maddox and Jolie to bed, Maddox came downstairs where I was, I think, watching a Thunder game on my computer and he came down and he said, Grandpa, I'm kind of, I'm kind of scared. And, um, and I said, well, buddy, how can I help you? And he said, can I, can I sleep down here? And I said, I'll tell you what, why don't you lay on the couch and put the covers over you? And I said, why don't you, why don't you just sleep there and uh, go ahead and sleep? And you can just stay there until I go upstairs. And when I go upstairs, I'll just carry you upstairs and put you to bed. How would that be? And you know what, gang? It was like I just gave him a million dollars. You know, he just, he just beamed, and he said, thank you, Grandpa. And he got his pillow, and he got his blanket. He laid there, and I think both nights while I was watching them, he came downstairs and did that. Now, I know. Now, I get, again, I get it. I know there are times we have to help kids learn to sleep in their own rooms. I, I get all of that. But there is a special kind of bonding that, that happens when we meet people at their point of need and tune in when they have those kinds of fears. Does that make sense to you? Look at me. Especially when those fears may be things that you think are silly. Those fears may seem silly to you, but I promise you, they're not silly to the people who are having them. They're very real. Well, let me give you a few thoughts. Uh, I, I tried to just kind of sit back and just this week and just think about a, a lot of different things that I could tell you, and I could really honestly I could do a whole series on this, but l- let me just move through. I, w- I want to say several things to you about how, how you can tune in and what happens when you really do that. Are you ready? Let me try to give you some help on this. First thing I want to say is that, re- remember this, kind of keep this in mind, I think it'll help you. Tuning into others is actually incarnational caring. Tuning in to others is actually incarnational caring. Think about this. Do you realize that when, when you make the effort to really tune into someone and understand what's going on for them, when you are willing to kind of leave your own frame of mind to try to enter their frame of mind, to maybe try to reach, to to feel a little bit of what they're feeling and, and grasp what they're going through, do you realize that, listen to this, when you step out of your world and into their world, which was what incarnational means, when you do that, that's the most Jesus-like that you ever become because that's exactly what God did for us I love it John chapter 1 verse 14 profound verse of scripture it says and Christ became a human being and lived here on earth 
among us. In other words, Jesus left heaven where he lived to come to our world where we live so that he might fully grasp and understand so that we would know he gets us when we pray. He left his world, came to our world. And when we do that, we become just like him. There's a, a great devotional guy, a pastor by the name of Paul Sorensen wrote several years ago. And I just love this. Um, it's just a great story. Here's what he called it. He, call, he called this, this devotional, it's only a hamster. It's only a hamster. But there's no way I could say that to my seven-year-old daughter, April, as she wept over her deceased hamster, Jenny, last Tuesday. We strongly suspected foul play by our cat. Tragically, our hamster Jenny left behind a whole brood of one-week-old tiny hamster babies. Our family jumped to the rescue with passion. Now, they are only hamsters, but you would think that the stork had brought seven newborn babies to our home. We were waking up for their hourly feedings, meticulously serving uh, of their little liquid meals with an eyedropper. We were taking trips to the pet store for the correct hamster baby formula and rigging up a special heat lamp for the little ones. Long moments of ooing and aahing and gooing and, or goo-gooing over these little features. And did I mention to you, they're only hamsters. He said, today, one of them escaped the cage. We tore April's bedroom apart piece by piece. We shined the flashlight into every nook and cranny. We moved heavy furniture. Finally, April found the little hamster under the dresser. And wow, did we cheer. The lost has been found. Oh, don't miss it. This is so good. Jesus talks about little animals like this. He says, look at the birds. They don't need to plant or harvest or put food in their barns because your heavenly Father feeds them. What a God we serve. God even cares about little creatures like these hamsters. But Jesus gives us an even greater promise. And you, yes, you, are even far more valuable to him than they are. When I see how our family hovered over these little hamsters, I get a picture of how God hovers over us. When we lose a loved one, God weeps. When we are hungry, God rushes in with the supplies. When we are cold, God warms us with his love. And when we get lost, God tears the place apart searching for us. Uh, listen, church. You are so incredibly valuable to God. Jesus came to tell you and to prove it by giving his life for you on a cross. You can put your trust in him. God is hovering and watching and ooing and eyeing over you today. I love how Paul closes. He says, P.S., I know God cares for the little animals, but I hope he also forgives them or our cat is in big time trouble. <laughs> You know what, I, I remembered that devotional when I was writing this thought, and I thought Pastor Paul was just right on. You know, this is exactly what God does. In, in all of our circumstances, God left his world and comes to ours, and that's what I'm talking about today. What I'm talking about is having a love that is selfless enough to step out of your world and do incarnational caring with your kids, your spouse, your co-workers, the people that God brings you into contact with. That's what that means. 
Let me give you a second thought. And I know this will be hard for you. But instead of dreading these moments, treasure them. Instead of dreading these moments, treasure them. I'm going to guess that for most of us, if our spouse comes to us and says, we need to talk, I'm going to guess that probably doesn't send your heart soaring with joy (laughs) because you know that probably whatever that talk is, it's going to be about something that they're either offended by or upset about or something you've done wrong, whatever it is, you know that they are feeling emotion. When when your child comes in and they're crying, uh, my guess is you don't think that that's a treasured moment. When you, know, when you see someone and they're really upset, you may not think of that as, as an opportunity, but you've got to get this. It is. You see, it's in those moments when people are emotional, when they're in a crisis, having a loss, when they've been hurt or betrayed or, 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 or when, and whenever that is, those are the moments, listen to this, those are the moments when they are opening their heart to you wide, full wide. Did you get that? Those are the moments when they are letting you in to the innermost parts of the world. Do you understand what a gift that is? Do you understand what a treasure that is? When someone is having those kind of emotional moments, you have a chance. Don't miss this. You have a chance to touch them like never before. You have a chance to touch them like never before. You know, we, particularly as, uh, as adults, will talk about needing, having quality time with our, with our families. And you know what quality time really is? You know when that really happens? Quality time really happens when they need you. I know sometimes you just want to block off a Saturday afternoon and, and uh, take them to play putt-putt or do you want to do something like that? And that's fine and that's good and that's, that's, that's a wonderful thing to do, but you, you can't miss this. Real quality time, the most treasured time, are those moments when they're having this chaos going on inside of them and you are willing to come along with them and help carry that as they are. Those moments when, they, when you can get on that frequency and you can tune in, that's the moment they need you the most. And there is nothing of higher quality than that, I promise you. I put in my notes this statement. These, these moments are a sacred trust and they are a tremendous opportunity. When people love you enough to let you into those places, That's a sacred trust. And you know what else? It is a tremendous opportunity for you to bond to their hearts like never before. I I love this quote by Maya Angelou. Put, Put that up on the screen for me. It says, what you said, people will forget. And People will forget what you said and people will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them Feel. People will forget what you said and they will forget what you do, but they will never forget how you make them feel. Those are treasured moments. Let me give you a third thought, and a lot of us really need to tune into this. Don't try to fix 
their emotions. Don't try to fix their emotions. There's a, a verse in Proverbs, Proverbs 25, 20. He says, being happy-go-lucky around a person whose heart is heavy is as bad as stealing his jacket in cold weather or rubbing salt in his wounds. Now, he's not talking necessarily about mocking someone who's hurting, but it's, it's about th this tendency that we have when someone who has a heavy heart or is sad, we don't want them to do that. What we want to do is we want to fix that heavy heart. We want to fix that sadness. And so we want to make them laugh instead of being sad. Now, and, and again, what, what he's saying is that, you know, sometimes when you try to do that, you're just taking a heavy heart and you're making it heavier. You're rubbing salt in the wound. And, and this is a tendency that sometimes we, I think we, 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 we try is that we don't want to leave them in that. Instead of just coming along and tuning in, we want to try to fix it for them. And we want them to get past it or get beyond it rather than sit with them in it until it's over. Um, how do we do that? I, I gave a few examples. Um, one of the ways we try to fix it is by, by telling them to just get over it. By telling them to just get over it. Um, again, I, I mentioned the fact that sometimes when people are experiencing something and we look at it and we think, you know what, that's really not a big deal. Please don't miss this. Just because it's not a big deal to you, it doesn't mean it's not a big deal to them. Um, if they didn't get the grade they wanted on that test and they're upset about it, that may be a higher grade than you ever got on a test. But you know what? If they're upset about that, that's a big deal to them, and it needs to become a big deal to you. Sometimes we say, you know what? We just, you just need to get over it. You just need to get over it. And you know what? They'd like to get over it, but... Telling them that is not going to help it. Don't stop trying to fix it. Just help them feel it. Tune into it. Another thing that we do is, is when we tell them that their emotions are wrong. You know, you shouldn't feel that. You know, you shouldn't feel that way. Please hear my heart. I'm a pastor. I, I get right and wrong, all that kind of stuff. But here's what you need to understand. Emotions are just emotions. Emotions are not right or wrong. They're just emotions. They're just feelings of, of things that we're processing internally. What we do with those emotions, our behavior could become right or wrong. But feeling the feelings is just being a part of being human. And we say, well, you shouldn't feel that way. You should feel that, you know, stop that. That's try, you're trying to fix them and that's, that's not going to help. That's just going to make it worse. Another way that we try to fix it is by, is by minimizing, rationalizing, or theologizing. By minimizing, rationalizing, or theologizing. By, again, telling them, you know, this is, this is going to go away. Or, or by using facts, logic, reasoning, or, or even theologizing. Now, again, hear my, hear my heart with this. Um, you know, sometimes I, I know we're trying to be helpful, but, you know, when someone has a loss, when they, when they lose a child or they, they lose a, a, a family member or a parent, when, and I know, I know we mean well, but sometimes we just try to interject theology like that's just going to make the feeling go away. To, well, God just needed another angel. Now, look at me. I, I know you mean well when you say that. And what you're trying to do is to fix their pain with that theology. They believe that. Many people will have that piece of theology, but that still doesn't mean they can't be sad. Does that make sense to you? It's okay to be sad about losing someone to death, even when we believe 
in heaven. Don't miss this. Do you remember what Jesus did at his friend Lazarus' funeral? The Bible says Jesus wept. And if it's okay for Jesus to weep at a friend's funeral, it's okay for us. And it's okay for these that you're trying to console. There is a time to talk to someone about the truth or the facts or the theology. There is a time to talk about the truth. But it's not when they are emotional and sometimes unreasonable. When you try to rationalize or give facts, logic, or reasoning, or even theologize when people are unreasonable and emotional, you know what? We make it worse, not better. Don't try to fix them. I remember several years ago, Wanda was stressed out. And I think it was when she was doing her taxes, it, our taxes, it may have been something else. But, but I, I remember, you know, she was really upset and I came home and, and she was in tears or next to tears. And she was talking about all the stuff that, that she needed to do and how she was so stressed because she wasn't going to get it all done. You know, and instead of, instead of just listening and, and being sad with her and just consoling her and saying, I, I know you must be overwhelmed and, you know, what can I do to help? And let me just come alongside of you. Instead of doing that, you know, I started giving her these lessons on time management, you know, and I started talking about multitasking and you can do this and you can do this. And I'm trying to pep talk her out of it and trying to, trying to fix her by giving her better ways to do things. And can I just tell you something? That didn't go well. Uh, facts, logic, and reasoning never fix an emotional moment. Don't fix it. Just feel it with them. Let me give you one more thought, one last one. If you don't get it right, make it right. If you don't get it right, make it right. Now, what do I mean by that? As I'm trying to help you understand about coming alongside of people and do emotional responding, here's what I know. We're not always going to do it right. Even with the best of intentions and the best of heart, uh, sometime, I guarantee you, this week, you're going to have someone come to you, they're going to be emotional, and you're going to be trying to think on your feet about how to respond, and you're going you're to make a stab at it, and it's not going to be the right way. Whatever you do, it's going to make it worse, not better. Now, here's what I mean. When you do that, when you, when you don't get it right, don't give up. Don't just walk away. Don't get mad and go, well, I guess I won't say anything. And, or don't, you know, don't say, well, I'm just trying to help. And, and again, you use guilt or, or say, don't, you know, don't, don't do that. If you don't get it right, it's okay. Stay with it. And tune, keep turning the tuner until you make it right. Does that make sense to you? Now, here's why I say that. There's a passage of Scripture in John 2, 25 where it says, no one needed to tell Jesus about human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. No one needed to tell Jesus about human nature because he knew what was in each person's heart. Now look at me, make eye contact. You're not Jesus. You don't know what's in people's heart. You don't know exactly what's going on inside of people. Jesus knew exactly how to respond because he knew exactly what was going on. We're not always that way. Don't try to be 
Jesus. Just do the best you can. Does that make sense? Don't try to be Jesus. Just do the best you can. You know, when people are having a moment and, and you're not sure what to do, there's a couple of things that you can always default to. One, listen to them. Just listen to them. Just sitting and listening with someone and doing your best to be empathetic, that will mean more than you'll, than you'll ever know. Um, it's not the words often that help people heal. It's just knowing that they're cared about, which is, gets me to the second one. Just love on them. Just love on them. If they're high touch, put an arm around them. If they're not high touch, just sit close and just say, I'm so sorry that you're going through this. And I, I care about you and it breaks my heart to see you having this weight on you. And thirdly, pray for wisdom. Um, James 1 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men freely. And in those moments when you're looking at someone you care about, it really is okay to say, God, this person I love is, is having a moment and I don't know exactly what to do. Would you give me wisdom to do the best I can and, and just to stay with them? It'll mean more than you know. There's a, a, a surgeon by the name of Richard Seltzer. Uh, wrote a book several years ago called Mortal Lessons, The Art of Surgery. He talks about different cases he had and things that he learned. And he, tells, he tells a story about a woman who had a, a tumor in her cheek. And uh, the tumor um, was wrapped around a nerve. And he was able to remove the, the tumor, but he ended up having to cut a nerve that was in her cheek when, when he, as he did. And cutting that nerve left her mouth kind of twisted, um, kind of like in a palsy. He, her, her mouth just was a little bit twisted. And he, in, the, in the book, he was talking about how after the surgery, um, in the post-operative time, that she was uh, in her room and her husband was there, and she had been looking in the mirror, and she could see that her mouth was twisted, and it wasn't quite, you know, in the normal fashion, and she was disturbed by that, and, and he was talking her through that, and, and she said, doctor, is this, is this going to be permanent? And he said, yes, I'm, I'm sorry, I had to cut the nerve, and that can't be repaired, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to stay that way, and you could tell that she was anxious about that because, you know, it looked a little distorted and she was concerned about how she looked and how she was going to appear. And then Dr. Seltzer said the most amazing thing happened. He said her, her husband came over to her and he turned her face toward him and he, he looked at her and he goes, I kind of like it. I think it's cute. And he said that this man took his wife's face in his hands and he kind of twisted her mouth to match her mouth, and he kissed her. And Dr. Seltzer said that may be one of the most holy moments that I ever witnessed. Because this husband, with a simple act of love, took away the fear that was in this woman's heart and made her feel loved and valuable and wanted. You know, sometimes it, it doesn't really take a whole lot 
to help people when they're going through a hard time. You just have to give a little piece of yourself. You just have to tune into the frequency that they're on. Our challenge is to do exactly what Jesus did for us. He stepped out of his world and into ours. May God help us to do the same. Would you bow your heads with me? I want to pray in just a moment, but before, before I pray, I want, to, I want to mention two things that I want to pray about. First, I want to pray for you. There may be some of you who are going through a really difficult time right now. There may be some of you who are in a crisis, who are experiencing a loss. There may be some of you who have been hurt or betrayed. Um, there may be some of you who today your heart is filled with fear. And, and maybe you feel very alone. And, and today, if you're having that moment, I, I want you to hear again. Jesus Christ stepped out of his world and into ours so that he could identify with those things we go through. Hebrews says that he is our high priest who, who sympathizes with us. And so this morning, if, if you are going through those kinds of moments, I, I want to just invite you in these next few moments just, just to lean into Jesus. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and, and heavy with burden, and I will give you rest. And you can come to Jesus with whatever emotions you're going through. He has felt those. And he'll sit with you through yours. And there may be some of us that, as I was preaching today, maybe you can think back over some people in the last week or few weeks of your life that were having a moment and you, you didn't get it right. And there may be some of us who go, Pastor Steve, man, I really need to grow in this area because I don't, I don't really do this well. And I want to pray for you that I know you love these people who are around you. And my prayer today is going to be, a, be that God will help you to express that in a frequency that they understand. Let me pray. Fathers, we come before you today. How grateful we are that you meet us right where we're at. You did not wait for us to find our way to heaven, <laughs> so you came from heaven to earth. Lord, I have no idea what everyone is going through today, but what I do know is that you not only see it, you understand it. And God, today, for every person who's crying out to you, I, again, I just pray that, that they will feel heard. I pray that they would know that you understand what's going on in their heart. Your word says that you know what's in the hearts of people. You know what they're going through. You know what they're feeling. And I pray that you would just stretch out your hand and that you would meet them today at their point of need, that you would comfort their loss, that you would give them assurance in their crisis, that God, wherever they feel fear, uh, that you would be their safety and that you would be their peace, whatever it is, God, that they're going through in their hurt or, or betrayal, that they would just feel you near. Your, your word says that you are close to the brokenhearted. And may every person feel you close today. And God, I pray that you would help us, that just like you have stepped out of your world and into ours, would, would you help us to do that for those around us? 
Sometimes, God, we look at these people that we love, and they're having a moment, and we're just at a loss as to what to do. And quite frankly, a lot of us would just admit that we just don't do this really well. But Father, I pray that you would teach us. And I pray that you would give us a, a strength of love that won't quit, that won't just give up. That Lord, when we, when we don't get it right, that we'll make it right. That we'll really seek to listen to people's hearts. That we'll really seek to, to get onto the wavelength that they're on. That, that we will stop trying to, to fix them or to set them straight. But that instead, that we will help people feel heard and loved and valued. Father, I, I pray that you would just be able to give us a, a, a supernatural sensitivity that we would be able to tune in to these people that we care about so that we won't lose out on these moments that they give us. Lord, we do love you with all of our hearts. Would you help us to love one another that same way? It's in your precious name we pray today. And everyone said, amen, amen.